Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then Stripe tap to pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Do you think the Daily Tech News Show is worth a nickel a show? Well, a lot of us do. Go to dailytechnewsshow.com slash support and join us. This is the Daily Tech News for Wednesday, July 11th, 2018 in Los Angeles. I'm Tom Merritt. And from Studio Fieldline, I'm Sarah Lane. From Studio, my wife's out of town till Friday. I'm Scott Johnson. <laughs> What does, that, what does that mean exactly? Great I don't. Time. It's just I forget about all the stuff she does when she leaves. And then does it she, mean that you get to eat the stuff that that she doesn't let you eat? Right. I went and bought frozen burritos yesterday. That's where we're at right now. Oh, I mean, you're in good company. Then. <laughs> good man. <laughs> I actually made carnitas tacos yesterday. I heard. Yeah. That's because you're a proper adult, Tom. <laughs> you know who else is a proper adult? Our producer, Roger Chang. What did you eat yesterday? I ate uh, <laughs> I ate at Foxy's, a restaurant. <laughs> oh, I like Foxy's. I've been there with you, actually. That's a good place. I had a burrito. All right. But look, Mexican food all around. All right. Enough of Mexican food. Let's start with a few tech things you should know. Sonos is adding support for Apple's AirPlay 2 to the Sonos Beam, the Sonos One, the PlayBase, and second-gen Play 5 speakers. Older speakers will need to be networked to one of these models to use uh, AirPlay 2 as well. AirPlay 2 supports multi-room audio and is more integrated with Siri. Ooh, well, well done, Sonos. Google's rolling out an update that gives U.S. users a new simple interface for changing Google Assistant's voice. Voices are associated with colors, which Google says are chosen at random. TF International Securities Analyst Ming-Chi Kuo, remember he moved, he's now there, has more predictions for Apple this autumn. Kuo believes Apple will ship a 12.9 and 11-inch, not a 10.9-inch, but an 11-inch iPad Pro with Face ID. No button. Uh, they'll also ship chip upgrades for MacBooks, iMac, and Mac Mini, finally getting a refresher. And uh, he thinks they're going to do a new low-price laptop. New Apple Watches would have a larger 1.57-inch and 1.78-inch screen and enhanced heart rate detection. And he thinks they'll finally ship air power as well as those updated AirPods that Bloomberg was talking about. Uh, remember, this is all just Quo's prediction, although he has a pretty good track record. Previously, he has predicted Apple would ship three new iPhones, uh, two of them with OLED screens. So kind of like two iPhone 10s and then one with an LCD screen. I mean, wasn't the whole point of Quo moving to his next 
next post to be less Apple news? I don't know. I heard a lot of people say that. <laughs> I feel like that was just a red herring. I don't know why. Right, I didn't yeah, believe like, it. I was like, really? If, He's not going to not do Apple sources. news. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's talk a little bit more about Magically. Is it real, Scott? Tell us. Well, we took a leap into the magic uh, fray this, uh, today and watched a little bit of a Twitch stream from the folks at Magic Leap. We learned a few things, but not a whole lot. What we do know for sure, though, leading into this was AT&T announced Wednesday, that's today, that it has reached an exclusive agreement to sell products from augmented reality company Magic Leap in the U.S. So they are going to be the place you get this stuff. You go to an AT&T store if you would like to get a Magic Leap headset. Magic Leap 1 is scheduled to ship to developers this summer. When it becomes available to the public, AT&T will initially sell Magic Leap in stores in Atlanta, Boston, Chicago, Los Angeles, and San Francisco. Uh, it's kind of the usual big rollout cities. Keep in mind that a message accompanying the live stream noted, this is what we watched today, that the Magic Leap 1 cannot go on sale until it gets FCC approval, which it uh, doesn't have yet. So that is not a thing they currently have. Magic Leap announced on a live stream that it uses NVIDIA's Tegra X2 chip. Uh, system on a chip with two Denver Core processors all running 64-bit Linux OS. Yeah, so we got a couple more specs. Uh, they actually pulled one from under a table and showed it, although they've showed it in public before. We didn't see it actually in operation, though. No. They did show some demo video um, that was uh, very short little snippets uh, that showed some of the tech in action. I have to be completely honest. Uh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm totally cool with kind of a low-rent uh, developer-focused conversation on on Twitch uh, with us and those who are interested in this product. I have no problem with that kind of presentation. My big problem was what they did show while giving a developer an idea of some of the stuff they can start working with right away this summer was not very impressive. Um, some of that stuff looked jittery and not great. And that has me just a little bit concerned. And it's not much different than what HoloLens is currently doing. And that kind of bums me out because we're all of the opinion or we've been told to believe that Magic Leap is going to be the big next step and all this stuff. And I'm not sure I saw it today. Not that that's what they came to show us today, but I, I came away thinking, that's eh, all right. I mean, I think phones, you know, AR kit on iOS and what um, is happening with Daydream looks a little better than this. And I know those aren't headsets, but uh, we'll, we'll see. It was interesting today. I get the feeling that Magic Leap is a company that's really good at investor demos mm. and had a product kind of like Oculus did, although Oculus was a Kickstarter, right? Not, not a VC-backed company at the beginning, but kind of had some technology that was a little better than what else was out there that investors had seen, and hence all of the hype. But as they have tried to perfect it into a consumer product, everybody else is catching up. And so they, they're loath to show what they have for fear that people will think, well, that doesn't look that you know much different, like you're saying right now. Uh, which is one of the reasons that this very secretive company hasn't even submitted their designs to FCC approval. Because once they get into the FCC database, everybody can see a lot of details about it. And they're, they're playing it so close to the vest. I have a feeling it's going to be a real product, but it's going to be like the Segway. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just going to be like, oh, okay, yeah, it, it, does a, it does a different thing than the others. But is it that revolutionary? I don't know. One tiny note that I would like to make about that I noticed, and I don't know if this, this is purely from observation, but the field of view, which is a thing everybody wants to know with augmented reality and mixed reality, how big is your field of view? Uh, the, the stuff we've seen from Microsoft is very small and narrow. Others have done different things. This seemed like everything they were showing in video was zoomed way in. I can only think that that was just a crop of the field of view. So I'm still a little mm. bit worried about that. They just didn't show a lot here. So, so for aficionados, gamers people who want to make stuff for this device 
today wasn't like groundbreaking, but it's nice to know that we finally are headed in a direction. So there you go. U.S. federal prosecutors have arrested and charged former Apple employee, and Roger, please correct me if I get this wrong, Xiaoleng Zheng, with stealing trade secrets related to Apple's autonomous car technology. Zheng worked for Apple from 2015 until April of this year, designing and testing circuit boards. When he left Apple, he said it was to move to China to be close to his mother. Okay, fair enough. But then he took a job with X Motors, a U.S. subsidiary of China's Xiaoping Motors. The FBI says that Zhang downloaded data from Apple's network and stored it on his wife's personal laptop. Zhang also, also admits removing two circuit boards and a server from Apple. Hmm. X Motors says it has no indication that Zhang communicated any sensitive information to it and have since fired him. Yeah, so this is a big bust for the FBI, somebody actually stealing trade secrets. Apparently, in his exit interview, they felt like he was hiding something, so they alerted the FBI. The FBI uh, started looking into it and were able to discover this. Now, X Motors is a U.S. subsidiary, and you may say, like, well, of course they say they didn't get anything. I bet they did. Uh, Because they're a U.S. subsidiary and the FBI is investigating this, it would be extremely risky for them to lie about that. Uh, I'm not saying they didn't, but I'm saying, you know, you probably shouldn't jump to the conclusion that they yeah, absolutely it's, did. It's right? not probable. Now, it's possible. whether Zhang gave it to someone else, who knows? Uh, it's absolutely possible uh, he could have passed it along to someone else or through some other channel. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to say. Yeah, the only I have some experience with stuff being stolen. I used to work for a company. We had offices in China. Uh, just happens to be China. I'm not saying China is the only place you're going to see this sort of thing, but we had a guy who worked for us there who, when things got a little bit weird, he ended up taking a bunch of proprietary information and taking it to the next place. All of it was supposed to be protected and not, you know, he was under NDA not share any of that. He did anyway. Um, it's entirely possible that this is this is a corporate culture thing in China specifically. It was that we saw that a lot in the manufacturing space, like in southern China. And they just don't have the kind of rules we do. So it's entirely possible that that's the thinking here. But taking a bunch of stuff from Apple seems super dangerous. And I would have been freaked out if I did it. Also, well, Scott, not to ask you too many details about that particular incident, but how did the company decide that indeed that did happen? Despite- we found so we had server records that show that he'd breached the data. Yeah. Uh, the we ended up finding out that the other company had designs on their servers that could have come from nowhere but us. Mm. Um, I don't remember how it all turned out because I left after that or I was gone pretty quickly after that. So I don't know how it got resolved, but it wasn't a big FBI deal. It was a much smaller sort of case. Um, Nothing on this scale, even remotely. But I think there is a lot of stealing from Peter to pay Paul that happens in in, uh, China manufacturing. Uh, Again, it's not a commentary on their culture. I, I don't know. I just know that we ran into that a lot. People complain about it a lot. Piracy is really bad over there. Oh, hold, like hold, hold on. Okay. I, I have to stop you now. You've said twice it's not part of their culture and then once that it is part of their culture. And now you say piracy is rampant over there. Granted, some of what you're saying absolutely was true when you were there. But uh, I know from talking to people who've been to China that th- things have changed there quite a bit. And I'm not saying it's perfect, but it has uh, rules are in place now. There, there are definite rules about it, and they are cracking down on this sort of thing. So for some reasons, just because Xi Jinping has been cracking down on corruption in general, that it's caused that. So I'm not sure that it's as 
I'm not sure that it's the same as when when you were dealing with it. Oh, I completely agree. I don't think it's pervasive, uh, and and I keep saying that because I'm trying to limit its scope. It was really just our experience, and this reminds me of that. Yeah, uh, yeah, that it's makes probably sense. a lot different. And with something as big as Apple, I mean, my gosh, the the hellstones will raise from will fall from the sky if you ever yeah. do anything like this. <laughs> Uh, Wired reports that the U.S. Department of Justice has settled with Cody Wilson over allegations of violating the international trade and arms regulation. If you remember, Cody Wilson was making plans for a 3D printed gun available online. He took, took a video of himself shooting a gun that he had 3D printed. In the settlement, the Department of Justice promises to let the Commerce Department regulate the export of firearms below 50 caliber from now on and not police technical data about those weapons. Wilson was making the argument, he's like, I've got a First Amendment right to talk about it. I'm not not actually exporting a gun. I'm exporting speech, essentially. Uh, Wilson also receives a unique license to publish designs, and his defense-distributed site, defcad.com, will launch later this month with new weapon designs to be shared by people. Uh, obviously, depending on, on what side of certain issues you are, you, you can see this as a great victory uh, for freedom of speech, for Second Amendment rights, or you could see it as a dangerous precedent uh, that allows anyone to print a gun. Uh, the one thing I'll say before we start discussing it is printing a gun is a lot harder to make work <laughs> than you might think, uh, but it's certainly easier than building a gun from scratch. Right. I mean, I've got all kinds of thoughts on this. I'll limit it to this. Um, <laughs> I, remember, I remember when 3D printers were new and exciting and fresh technology that everybody... Yeah, they're going to fix your washing machine. <laughs> exactly. And I remember thinking at the time, oh, this will be cool because we can replace parts or eventually car parts could be printed in your own home and you wouldn't have to go to the to the store to get any of that stuff. And I wouldn't have to go to Home Depot to buy a big slab of this because I can make it right here and and then my mind went, oh, and I can make weapons and bombs and things. I think we're just finally getting there to the point where, yeah, this is going to start happening. I don't actually have a good answer for it, and I hate the politics around it, so I'm not going to get into that part of it. But it's a little weird. My son's got a 3D printer. I'm not saying he could make a gun that would you know, hold up an airplane or something, but I don't know. Maybe he could. That's a little freaky. Well, yeah, the gun... Part of it is obviously a hot-button topic for everybody, again, on both sides of it. I think you could say you could 3D print lots of different kinds of weapons. The mm-hmm. gun part of it is sure. Guns. So you know, you could you could literally 3D print a sharp knife that would pass right. through TSA security because it's not metal. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Right. So the, the fact that you can 3D print anything that was not previously available to be 3D printed in theory, I think is great, right? It's technology, it's evolution. We're, you know, we're, we're going to make things easier for ourselves. We'll put the, you know, the, the, the power back into, you know, people's hands who aren't in manufacturing centers. But the gun aspect of it is obviously difficult. But oh. again, like you said, Tom, you could make a gun from scratch real hard, but you it's could, not impossible. Well, well, and think about bomb designs. Uh, the Anarchist Cookbook, for instance. There was a lot of debate over whether the Anarchist Cookbook should allow to be printed. But in the end, it was decided that the First Amendment gave you the right to publish the information on making bombs. It was making bombs that was against the law. Uh, and so this right. pushes that discussion even farther. Like, well, what if it's not about making bombs? What if it's printing guns? That seems a little easier. Frankly, it's probably easier to make a bomb than to print a gun, to be honest. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, if, 
Honestly, the it, the gun is kind of tangential to the entire debate. It's more about the flow of information, what's considered to be uh, verboten, stuff that you cannot disseminate. Uh, for example, state secrets, right? You could argue it's it's uh, it's free speech. I can say, like, these people are all CIA agents and this is where they live. Free speech, free speech. But the state does have an overriding national security interest to prevent you from doing that and locking you away if you try to do that. So it's You can't um, shout fire in a crowded theater. Yeah. Yes, there are limits so, on speech. And so moving further down the line. Well, you can, I, but it won't. You're not allowed down. to. It's against yeah. the law. <laughs> it's, uh, I, I, I foresee more, more legal things coming out from this rather than just this being kind of a settled issue at this point. It's what I like about these things. These issues, uh, it sounds like, I'm, you know, I don't want to sound like it's fun or something, but one of the things I like about these issues is these issues tend to make really interesting court cases and fascinating conversation. And we're forced to look beyond our current philosophical uh, acceptances and standards and look further than that. And this is one of those, like, it's going to be fascinating to see what, how this all turns out. I mean, you know, who knows one day, regular people put arms manufacturers completely out of work. It seems crazy to say that, but I don't know. Maybe we're headed there. Yeah. Or arms manufacturers take advantage of the fact that you can use 3d printers to make themselves even more efficient and don't get put out of work, but yeah. get better at what they do. I we're, mean, all of these are possible. Yeah. We're sell you Tom. If you were a gun lover, they could sell you a gun printing, you know, a Smith and Wesson gun printer that's designed to print with metals and, you know, all those other kind of parts mm-hmm. and not just plastics. I mean, <laughs> that's probably where all this is headed is just you're well, in, but, you know. and, and that's sort of like that's another whole topic it's like i'm a lover of fine dresses will i 3d print my own or learn how to sew so i could make you know it's like yeah i like certain things it doesn't necessarily mean that i'm going to go out and make a bunch of them Right. And and I know we need to move off of this, but then there's the like, well, okay, let's say you do make printing a gun illegal. What about printing a stock? What about printing a, you know, a part of a gun to replace a part? You know, there's, there's a lot of conversation to be had around this. Yeah. Sounds like a future roundtable. Mm, it does, doesn't it? Oh, Scott, it's all you. It's mine now, isn't it? Sorry. <clears throat> Blizzard and Disney have agreed to a multi-year deal to show Overwatch League matches on ESPN, ESPN2. Disney XD and ABC. By the way, that Disney XD deal is going to be big. Kids love the Overwatch. Uh, that includes live airings and full replays on broadcasts as well as highlight packages online. The deals do not affect Blizzard's deal with Twitch, uh, so you'll still be able to get stuff there. Uh, Wednesday's quarterfinals air at 8 p.m. Eastern on Disney XD and ESPN3. Finals are set to take place at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn on July 27th and 28th. Uh, that's the only real surprise about all of this is where they're holding it because they own their own arena now and I don't know why they're not doing it there. But yeah, because it, than- it drums up some new interest if you take it somewhere. It's like, we've been in Burbank all year long and now the finals are going to be somewhere new, right? It's like the Super Bowl taking place in neither team's home stadium because that's fun. Do, do you think Super this is the watershed moment where we're, we're getting ESPN, at least ESPN3 in this case, but future ESPN to carry Overwatch games? I think it's a huge uh, thing. Well, you can get TNT right now and you can watch Counter-Strike on there. And they've got, you know, the other examples of cable networks picking up esports and certainly the ESPN uh, college stuff for the Heroes of the Dorm stuff they did a couple of years ago was a big deal for a bit. Uh, but this feels like a big, big, big deal. And I do think it could be a watershed moment or at least at least that's what they're trying to do. There's a lot of money being thrown around. 
the numbers will have to add up at the end of this. The audience will have to be there or else we may not see a deal like this continue. But for now, this seems like a good, solid step forward for Blizzard. All right, real quickly, a future version of the Opera browser for Android is going to include an Ethereum cryptocurrency wallet and built-in integration with Ethereum's Web3 API. Uh, that's an attempt to make a decentralized app platform, dApps, uh, available alongside the regular old web. New features are now available to select testers in private beta. But yeah, Opera... Uh, again, continuing to plow forward with blockchain-related improvements. The last one we heard about them was them blocking secret mining from advertisements uh, happening in the browser. Now they're saying, but you could also have an Ethereum wallet. And all, not just Ether, but also anything that uses... It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax... And think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then... Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. The Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed, and Haiku is the fastest and lowest cost model in the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who trust Anthropic to keep them at the frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude today. The Ethereum platform. Is it bad that I've never... Am I a bad technology person because I've never used Opera on any platform? Yes, ever? you should try it. You really should. I, you're not a bad yes, technology God person, me. but you should totally no, I try mean, it. No, I mean, there are a lot of browser options. I don't use the Opera browser. But you've tried it, right? Of course, yeah. yeah. You should but try I, it. But, but it's also, you know, our line of work to be like, how's this browser look? Um, yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> I just never did. I don't know why. I don't have a problem with it. Now's your chance. Get some ether. Get the opera for for Android. Oh yeah, you know the you know the whole cryptocurrency thing is on the up and up, guys. <laughs> yeah, no, I it mean it can be. It. It's not super solid. Entirely corrupt. <laughs> Crypto well, corruption. And- it's it's yeah. It yeah. it it is. It's not going to save the world. It, <laughs> I agree with it, you. It seemed like it was just three months ago. I know. I know. Yeah, yeah. So it's funny how that yeah, happens. Yeah. Hey, folks, if you want to get the tech headlines and keep up on all this stuff every day in just about five minutes, uh, let's say you, you fall behind on DTNS, skip the old episodes. It's fine. Just listen to Daily Tech Headlines. Keeps you up to date at dailytechheadlines.com. All right. 
TechCrunch has uh, one of its many articles about a startup getting a few million pounds in Series A funding, uh, which we usually don't pay a lot of attention to. That's, that's a subset of tech news that some people are very interested in, and that's fine. We don't feel like we really need to cover it all the time. But the company that got the funding caught my eye. I feel like this is really interesting. Olio, not the Greece, but spelled O-L-I-O, is a location-based app in the UK for sharing unwanted food with other people in your neighborhood. So think next door meets free cycle for food, I guess. Love it. Well, yeah, like the asparagus in my fridge might go bad. Not going to go bad. Not going to eat there's it. Someone I can share it with, so I don't just throw it out and waste the whole thing. Olio's principle is. Only share things that you would feel comfortable eating. You just aren't going to. Uh, generally, about a third of food production in the world is wasted. About half of the wasted food comes from people at home throwing it away. About a trillion dollars in food is lost every year. So Olio is really a company saying, we want to help make a difference. We want to reduce food waste. So the way it works is you take a picture of the item, you list it on the app. And by the way, they do support non-food items. So there is a bit of free cycle around this too. It's all free. You don't get to charge anybody. People reply and ask to pick up the item. You choose a location to meet and hand it over. You can choose your house or you can choose some public place if you're not comfortable with that. Obviously, they can't really regulate whether you charge somebody in person. So I'm curious about that aspect of it. But the idea is that you're just giving the stuff away for free. Now, how does Olio make the money? The Food Waste Heroes program is an Olio program that works with businesses like retailers, people doing film, TV shoots, corporate canteens, uh, people holding events that have extra food from the caterer, maybe, and they don't want to waste it. So they can become a zero food waste effort by paying Olio, who send volunteers trained in food hygiene to collect unwanted items, then list them on Olio with photos for local collection. Most items, they say, only last a few hours on the app, and volunteers can keep up to 10% of collected food. There's also a potential to have a premium service where active users pay a subscription to get some kind of value add, or maybe hyper-local advertising, because this is all very neighborhood-oriented. Uh, but Sarah, I know you and I were both looking at this like, how can this not go wrong? <laughs> yeah, okay. So I, I, you know, when, when I was thinking about this earlier, I was like, okay, well, let's liken this to something like... Oh, okay. There's four, you know, dress shirts in my closet right now. That's where my closet is. So that's where I'm pointing. Uh, I don't want them. And do I give them to a Goodwill or the Salvation Army or something where it's just like, just take it? Or do I try to make a, you know, a little bit of money off the fact of, you know, doing a little bit of a sharing economy uh, aspect of this? So in that sense, this is kind of cool. At the same time, I feel like if there are people trained in what is good food and what is bad food and, you know, what is harmful and, you know, what's, you know, all of that stuff that I don't really know, that's great. But if I'm really just saying, hey, Tom, the asparagus in my fridge is going to go bad. I'm not going to eat it. I know I'm not going to. I don't want to throw it out. Do you want it? I'm not comfortable saying it's still good enough for you to have. <laughs> Please meet me outside at a, you know, and, and at a location that doesn't make me feel unsafe so that I can give you my asparagus. <laughs> There's so many like questions that I have about like, I love the idea of this, but it seems really complicated because of spoilage. 
I mean, forget about asparagus, right? That's one that's going to be pretty obvious when I come to pick it up, whether it's still good or not, right? And Olio makes a lot of statements. I went through their website about like, really, only share the things, show pictures, pay attention to the pictures. Like, they are but making an effort to- what if I think the asparagus is fine, but, but, but it forget. Isn't. Well, the reason I said forget the aspar- asparagus, what about meat? Mm, what yeah. about, you know, what about something that, that is- a, a little more dangerous. Well, yeah, I mean, not that I'm, I'm talking about, can't have I'm talking about anything but. that, you know, not necessarily something that's going to make you sick, just something that's like not good anymore. I, yeah. I feel like that getting sick is a worse risk for oleo than like, oh, this yeah. asparagus was a little more spoiled than I thought versus like I actually got food poisoning because having, I, I got some bad food, meat that didn't quite smell bad, but it was bad. Having food poisoning has bankrupted restaurants even if it was in a in a contained area just the idea of like oh no there's spoilage in the food or people aren't cleaning it or they keep not keeping it properly all it takes is a handful of thing incidences for people to kind of like whoa you know it sounded like a good idea but in practice you know it's not fully baked out kind of thing my mother worked for the department of public health of sonoma county california and they were the people who would shut down restaurants um, for little infractions, you know, even stuff that maybe that didn't ever make anybody sick, but was really important as far as like total public health. So the whole kind of like, let's take it to the neighborhoods, let's share stuff is it's problematic. I also still have that little part of me saying, if you're not going to eat the food, why wouldn't you just donate it to, you know, like but that, it, that's what Olio is saying is like, we actually will give this to charities with our volunteers. Like we're trying to help cut down. I love the idea of this. It's just that food waste that or the food spoilage part of it on the person to person side. And I think, sure. I think their main business is we want to get businesses on board and help really cut down on food waste there. But having this person to person side will get usage up. I mean, they have 500 million users over already. So obviously there are people who want to do it. You know, and I will say this, if, if, if a bulk of the users are doing shelf stabilized goods, like baking mixes totally yeah or, or you know prepackaged goods i got a bunch of stuff that i'm never gonna eat but my wife bought for some bizarre reason and <laughs> i would don't want to talk i mean when we moved down to la there's a lot of stuff i had to toss and i felt really bad about it but it was still good it was like packages yeah. of rice it was packages mm-hmm. of pasta it was can- soups and can that had another year on their expired date. So all that stuff was good. And like the canned stuff I could donate. And, but some of the other stuff, it's like, you know, who wants, who wants to have a half a pound of like, you know, uh, all natural fig bars that taste like granola. I do think that the whole, and maybe it's because I've worked in so many startups where it's like, you know, there, yeah, I, I don't know, a million cans of LaCroix and, you know, cans of like weird bean uh, things and top ramen and stuff that isn't going to go bad, but, isn't necessarily moving. This actually makes a lot of sense for that. Yeah. For the personal refrigerator and cupboard, and maybe it's because I don't, you know, make a lot of my own stuff. Something that's in a freezer, or is you know, it, in a can, or otherwise not spoiling in the sense of yes, you know, meat or asparagus. Um, I really like asparagus, by the way, so I'm going to keep using that as an example. But, you know, that actually makes a lot of sense because that is a big part of the bulk that doesn't get used. Yeah. And and maybe it'll self-police. Maybe people will be so skeptical of refrigerated goods that they just won't won't move well. And and so Oleo just sort of naturally forces people to share the package goods. I I mean, then again, they just get a lot of money. So somebody believes in them. Yeah. 
thanks to everybody who participates in our subreddit. If you like spoiled meats or don't, <laughs> that's fine. We actually want- tell us your position on spoiled meats. <laughs> yeah, you know that's it's a big topic in our subreddit. You can submit <laughs> stories. Usually, they're actually more tech focused. Or vote on them at dailytechnewsshow.reddit.com. If you want to hang out on Facebook, we got the place for you. It's facebook.com/groupsexdailytechnewsshow. Yesterday, Sarah wasn't here, and it was sad because I had to do the mailbag alone. But she's back. Yay! Yay! What's in the mailbag, Sarah? Andy in chilly Sydney, because I guess it's their winter because Mm -hmm. they're a backwards place. Just (laughs) just kidding, Australians. Andy says, sorry for a possible stupid question, but what is good day internet? I hear you guys talking about it before Daily Tech News Show every day. You've mentioned it numerous times on DTNS, but I'm not really sure where to find it. I've searched both my podcast app. I've done Googling. But I don't really know, is it another podcast? The only reference I found was in a comment on the DTNS website. It wasn't really a useful comment, just somebody asking Roger not to speak on Good Day Internet. Aww. Well, that's not very nice. <laughs> no. But I think that's a, it's a great opportunity for us to remind people what Good Day Internet is. Yeah, so Good Day Internet is a show with DTNS inside it. It's like an Oreo where DTNS is the creamy filling. Uh, it or maybe is, an It's It. Or an It's It. Yes, actually. Even better. Even tastier. Uh, Good Day Internet is uh, the pre-show with all of us talking about stuff up until we do DTNS. Includes DTNS. And then the post-show uh, with us sometimes extending our conversations from the show. Sometimes talking about totally different things. It's a wider range of topics. If a wide by a wider range, you mean mostly food. Uh, but we, yeah, we talk about all kinds of stuff. And you can get it as a patron at patreon.com slash DTNS. Well, uh, Scott Johnson, I know you don't live in the Bay Area, so it's possible you don't know what an It's It is, um, but I'm excited to tell you all about it on Good Day Internet when the show ends. But for now, let folks know what you've been doing since we last talked to you last week. Well, uh, good news. If you're somebody who supported me on my Patreon for the playing cards, uh, which you can find details on and other stuff over at frogpants.com, we got the surveys out and did an update yesterday, and that means that we are getting real close being done with that thing um all the artwork all the layouts all that stuff's coming together in a way that's pretty awesome so if you are interested in that check that out there's a million shows over there you can find my comics over there my entire world is right there at frogpants.com and as always you can find me on twitter at scott johnson there are loads of ways to support daily tech news show you can find them all at dailytechnewsshow.com slash support uh support us on patreon at patreon.com slash dtns or even buy some stuff in our show our store show store at dailytechnewsshow.com slash store yeah eat a cap it's sunny outside Mm -hmm. we have dtns caps among other things check it out also we love your feedback our email address is feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com we're also live. You can join us Monday through Friday at 4.30 p.m. Eastern, 2030 UTC. Find out more at dailytechnewsshow.com slash live. Back tomorrow with Justin Robert Young. Talk to you then. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.